We're going to be looking at the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, It's a letter which Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Paul, of course, is one of the great examples of missionaries, of a missionary in the New Testament. Uh, And so that's why we're going to have a look at uh, what Paul says today. We're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 down to chapter 3, verse 6, and you'll find that on page 1,159 in the Pew Bibles. So 2 Corinthians 2, starting at verse 12. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them, and went uh, on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we're going to be focusing particularly uh, on chapter 2, verses 14 uh, to 17, where, it talks, where Paul talks about being the aroma of Christ. Um, I clearly remember our very first year in Mongolia. Um, Everything was very new to us, uh, language we didn't understand, and uh, lots of difficulties. Uh, We faced all sorts of difficulties and problems, Uh, lots of surprises, and a few laughs as well. We had lots of language laughs, and I was uh, speaking at the IF weekend away two weeks ago, uh, and remembering some of the laughs that uh, we had in our first year. I can remember going to the post office in the the local town that we were sent to. Uh, This town was a thousand kilometers away from the capital of Mongolia, which itself is quite remote. So we really were 
in the back of beyond. And one of the very few white faces that uh, had been there in living memory. And I can remember going to the, the post office and uh, asking at the post office any, if any parcels had arrived for us. Uh, and people would laugh at me. <laughs> and I'd go back the next week and I'd say, well, have any parcels arrived for us? And they would laugh at me and say, no. <laughs> and it wasn't until some time later that we discovered that, um, you know, because you're learning a language, you get words mixed up a bit wrong. But I'd actually been going and asking if, if a donkey had arrived for me. <laughs> and I kept doing this week after week after week. Has a donkey arrived for me? No, not yet. <laughs> and there were surprises as well. Um, one of the surprises was uh, going and meeting someone and this person wrapping their arms around me, lifting me up, putting their head to the side of my head and smelling. That was how you greet someone. You wrap your arms around them and have a good smell. How would you like to be greeted like that? Maybe we should start a new tradition in Charlotte Chapel in the mornings. Greet your neighbor. I'm not sure it will take off. <laughs> um, smell. Paul talks in this passage about smelling. He talks about himself as being the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of life. Of course, Paul is not talking literally here about a smell that he has. He's uh, giving us a picture. And when he says that he is the aroma of Christ, what we understand by that is that uh, Paul exudes Christ in his character. His actions and his words reflect something of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were to walk up and meet the Apostle Paul, you would get this overwhelming impression of the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ is so deeply uh, embedded and rooted in the Apostle Paul that it comes out of him. Uh, I remember one time coming back from Mongolia and uh, I had a suitcase that I'd, I'd dropped off in my parents' house. I didn't open it for a week. Uh, but after a week, I came back and I opened up the suitcase and wow, what a powerful smell of Mongolia. Because, you know, all our things that we packed up in the suitcase uh, had been from Mongolia. And there was this smell that you become used to, uh, which you know, after you've been away from it for a week, you suddenly smell it again. And uh, in, in that, you can sort of sense all of the, you can sense the, the food and the fat and the oils and the, all the sort of aromas that you have in Mongolia were encapsulated in that suitcase. And this is the kind of thing that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Paul is so deeply identified and at one with the Lord Jesus Christ that it, it permeates uh, his very being. Um, this, of course, is rooted in an event which happened in Paul's life over 20 years previous to this letter, where Paul, someone who was opposed to the Christian church, someone who persecuted Christians, had an experience where he met 
with the risen Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus Christ transformed Paul. And that day, Paul became one with Christ. Christ living in him. Paul looks back on that time and uh, he says things like, I am a new creation. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Uh, if we could have the first of the slides. So I think the first thing uh, to say about mission is that mission begins with people who are transformed by God. By, by God. Now, apologies for the small text here. I'm not sure if that's uh, very visible, but anyway, uh, we'll see. Mission begins with a life which is transformed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was transformed. If you are someone here who does not know Christ, let me tell you that Jesus Christ has the power to completely transform and change your life, no matter what you have done, no matter if you have been steadfastly against the church as Paul was. Jesus Christ has the power to change and to transform you into a different person. Paul was passionate in sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a strong aroma for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a little bit later in this uh, letter that we're looking at, Paul says that uh, Christ's love compels him. From the day that Paul met Jesus on that road to Damascus, Paul's life was transformed and he, he dedicated his life into the sharing of the gospel. He was a missionary. He was passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was passionate because he knew that something uh, had happened in his life. And he risked all to tell others. It's like you know, finding some great treasure, uh, like a, uh, something valuable in a field, a pearl of great price, and you just want to uh, share it with everyone. You want to give up everything in order to obtain that one thing. And once you've got it, you want to tell everyone about it. Paul was passionate um, about Jesus Christ. What are you passionate about? What kind of smell do you have? We all have passions and interests. For some, it's football. It's a very common thing for people to be passionate about in Scotland. Where I work, there are lots of people that are passionate about football. Well, how do I know that they are passionate about football? Well, they talk about it all the time. <laughs> if you go into their homes, uh, there's evidence everywhere of football, of the things that they're passionate about. If there's a big game on, they talk about it. What are the things that you're passionate about? I'm sure if I were to visit your home and have a look at your books and, and your bookshelves and, and have a chat with you about something, pretty soon I would get an idea of what it is that you're passionate about. Now, it's wonderful to be passionate about all sorts of things. That's not wrong. But what we should be most passionate about as Christians is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has done a great work of transformation in us. How passionate are we to share our faith? Well, the second point uh, I'd like to make on the, the next slide, thank you, is that mission 
is the work of God. Notice in the passage here that we're looking at in verse 14, Paul says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Paul gives thanks that God is spreading this knowledge, that God is spreading this aroma that is in him, that God is doing that. It is the aroma of Christ, and it is God who is doing the spreading. Humanly speaking, Paul uh, was an incredible missionary. He planted churches, he spread the gospel all the way from Jerusalem round to Elycrium, all the way from Israel, modern Israel, through Turkey uh, to modern-day Greece. And thinking about uh, his work there, he says this in Romans 15, from Jerusalem all the way to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. There is no more place for me to work. Most of us would be very happy if we planted one church in our life, but Paul planted church after church after church, tirelessly sharing the gospel uh, all the way from Jerusalem round to Greece. And you can read about uh, his amazing adventures in the pages of our New Testament. But Paul sees beyond the human aspect of that work. He thanks God for it, because this is a work of God through him. Humanly speaking, there has been an incredible uh, change in this country of Mongolia, incredible change um, in the past 20 years. In 1990, Mongolia was an isolated communist country, sandwiched between China in the south and Russia in the north, both communist countries themselves completely cut off and isolated. Uh, And at that time, people would have wondered, well, how is the gospel ever going to get to this country of Mongolia? Hardly anyone had heard of Christianity. Religion was banned. How was that country going to come to know Christ? Well, God changes things. And like many countries uh, in Eastern Europe at that time, communism collapsed. And in Mongolia too, communism collapsed. And almost overnight, uh, this door of opportunity to share the gospel opened in Mongolia. And it is reckoned that there were literally maybe three or four Christians in Mongolia at that time. Three or four in a huge country Uh, 20 times the size of England with a population of 3 million, three or four Christians. And in the space of 20 years, uh, that has grown to 65,000. 65,000 in the space of 20 years. The, the, The church has just been growing rapidly. If I were a politician, then I could put a bit of spin on that, and I would say that the church growth in Mongolia... Uh, I think my figures are right, uh, is about 2 million percent. (laughs) Someone could maybe correct me if I'm wrong at the end, but that's the kind of growth that a politician would say is happening to the church in Mongolia. In 20 years, it's grown 2 million percent. This is God's work. 
This is something that God is doing, breaking down uh, 70 years of communist rule. Uh, And what's left after 70 years of communism? A spiritual vacuum. And into that spiritual vacuum, missionaries were sent, people who went prepared to be the aroma of Christ, sharing the good news, discipling, and bringing people to the Lord. But you know, it's interesting that even though the country was in such darkness for 70 years, the Lord was preparing people's hearts. We met people who, they had heard of the Christian faith, they had heard of the Bible, and because the Bible was a banned book, the first thing they wanted to do when communism collapsed was they wanted to pick up a Bible and read it. And many people were saved uh, because of that desire that had been created in them uh, to know what it is that Christianity is about because it had been banned. And I remember very clearly uh, our first year in Mongolia uh, in this new town that we were sent to. Almost the first thing that was said to us uh, as we walked into that new town, there was an official that came up to us said, you don't tell anyone about Jesus. This was in 1996, so still the aftermath of communism. Uh, Things were difficult. And in that town, um, the police had forbidden Christians to meet, even in their own homes, to have church services. Uh, And the believers that were there, there were about 30 of them at that time, uh, they wouldn't allow us as foreigners to meet with them for fear of what would happen to them with the police. And there was a very hard regime there that was anti-Christian. But one year later, one year later, um, one of my Christian friends, uh, Mongolian Christian friends there at the time, uh, she was a teacher, she was an English teacher. Uh, She had become a Christian in the past two years, I think it was. And she was hauled up in front of the local governors Uh, And there was a a ring of about 20 of these men in chairs. Uh, She was sitting in the middle, and they were all firing off questions to her. What are you doing teaching Christianity in your school? You're a teacher. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to talk about Jesus, etc., etc. And all of these officials gave her a hard time for being a Christian. But when that meeting finished... And most of the people dispersed. The governor of that town, come with me, and uh, took this lady into his office, locked the door. Uh, She was getting worried. (laughs) Went over to his safe in his office, opened up the safe, pulled out a Bible that he'd been reading in secret, How amazing is that? And he said, tell me, what what is this about? I want to know. And so you see, God at work, breaking down these strongholds, these communist strongholds, breaking down and breaking through. Uh, And these stories were repeated all across Mongolia. Uh, Churches being planted, people coming to faith, people knowing Christ. Uh, I remember one time we were camping outside in the, in the countryside. We'd, we'd gone off with our family on some trip, and uh, we parked at the side of the, the road. It was just a dirt track, and we sat down, and we made up a brew of tea and coffee, uh, as you do in Mongolia. 
uh, as we were sitting there, a Mongolian herdsman arrived, and he came down and sat beside us uh, and, and watched what we were doing. And uh, this is very common that, that Mongolians will do this. In fact, it's very easy for evangelists in Mongolia. You don't really have to do anything. All you have to do is just go in the middle of nowhere, uh, brew up a cup of tea, and wow, you've got, uh, <laughs> probably got about three or four herdsmen that will come and, and, and sit and join you for a cup of tea. Um, anyway, I was making coffee, and this guy was intrigued because uh, he'd never heard about coffee. It's incredible. It's a bit like Coca-Cola and coffee. You know, everyone knows about these things. Um, but he had heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. That shows you the rapid spread of the gospel in that place. People were talking and talking and spreading the news about Jesus Christ. This is something which God is doing. God is behind it. God is propagating. God is spreading through his people. God is bringing people to himself. Let's have the, the third point, please. Um, now, mission is the work of God, but it's also the work of God through us. In some amazing way, God chooses to work through us, imperfect people, with all our faults, and with all our weaknesses, God chooses to work through us to spread his word. And that is what uh, God is doing through the Apostle Paul here. Acts chapter 1, the disciples uh, are um, speaking with the risen Lord Jesus. And they say, well, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And you remember Jesus' reply is, well, you are going to be <laughs> my witnesses throughout all Judea and Samaria and to the utmost ends of the earth. You are going to be the ones doing this. You are to be my witnesses. And the Lord Jesus in the, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations. You see, God has a desire to save us. God has a desire that all will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he chooses to work through us. Uh, and this is what Paul was doing. And this is what we should be doing. This great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, it wasn't just for the, the, the disciples then. It is for us now. Jesus talks about for I am with you to the very end of the age. This is a thing for, for us now. We are to be the ones who are discipling. Now, for some of us, that may mean going abroad. And that's amazing, and that's wonderful. But for others, that will mean staying at home and doing exactly the same thing. All of us, if we belong to Christ, are part of God working through us reaching out to others. There are two lakes in Mongolia. Uh, one is uh, the most beautiful lake you'll ever see. Its waters are crystal clear. Uh, the, it's, it's teeming with fish and with life. Uh, it's just a gorgeous place to be. And the other lake um, is also a very big lake, but it's lifeless. Its waters are salty. There's no fish in it. 
What is the difference between these two lakes? Well, in the salty lake, you have rivers that flow into it. Nothing flows out. The other lake, which is full of life, well, that has rivers that flow out of it. And I think this is a picture of uh, what it is like for us uh, in, in a church. We are to be outward <laughs> with our, in our thinking. Our aroma is sharing outward. We are discipling. We are taking our faith out. There's a flow outward. Christ has blessed us. We bless others. And when it is that way round, when, when, when water is flowing out of the lake, it means there is life in the lake. But if, if the lake is just everything coming in, there is no life. A church that does not look outward, a church that does not take seriously the great commission to disciple and take that word to those around us uh, is going to stagnate and die. You know, sometimes churches can be like aquariums. Now, you've seen aquariums. The people sometimes go to great lengths to uh, keep aquariums clean and, and stop all the algaes and things forming. Uh, and they put little houses and things for, for the fish to swim in and out of. And they feed the, the fish very diligently. And they have a little oxygenator that's running all the time. Uh, and they take great care over their fish in the aquarium. But you know, the Lord Jesus Christ says we are to be fishers of men. Not keepers of an aquarium. We are to be outward looking uh, in our faith. Who have the next slide, please? We need to remember that this gospel is powerful. Paul talks about this, uh, of being the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of life. And we can sometimes lose confidence as Christians in the power of the gospel. You know, the, the, the gospel really is uh, the power to change people's lives. It's, it's a transforming power. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. And you should have the confidence that actually those who do not belong to Christ, this is the best thing that they could ever have. This is the best thing that could ever happen to them is that they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not some sort of hobby or interest which we're sharing with people. I think as I grow older, I realize that more and more people have insecurities and weaknesses and troubles in their life. And really, the answer to all of these things is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you share that with your colleagues at work who are non-Christians? These people they don't know it yet, but this is the best thing that could ever happen to them. Won't you share it with them? Be assured that the message that you have is valuable and it's worth, uh, it's worth the risk of whatever it is you're afraid of, of being offended or rejected. It's worth the risk uh, to tell them. In Mongolia, we've seen people, people's lives transformed. People who... Uh, Shamans who spend their lives uh, as a go-between between the spirit world and people. People who are terrified 
of spirits. These people coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, being free from these terrible dark powers and forces. One of the, uh, well, was an evangelist in Mongolia who's uh, very famous in Mongolia. Of course, you won't have heard about him here, but um, his testimony is one of amazing change. He was trained by the KGB in Russia, and he was a brutal murderer until the day that he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And his life was changed instantly, and he's dedicated his life to uh, evangelism, to going around telling people, look, you don't need to lead your lives like this. The Lord Jesus Christ can set you free. The Lord Jesus Christ can change you. If the gospel is the aroma of life, the next slide, please. Um, the gospel is also the stench of death. The gospel brings division. If you are a strong fragrance for Christ, well, be sure there are people who will be, de be desperately keen to hear what you have to say, but there will be also be people who will hate you for that because as soon as you proclaim the gospel, people have to make a decision to either accept or reject. And as people reject the gospel, they're rejecting life and they're choosing death. It's as serious as that. And so, how do you know if you're smelling good for Christ? Well, you're going to expect opposition to, your, to, what you're, uh, you know, to how you're leading your life, to the things that you're saying to the people around about you. Now, I don't want to paint too rosy a picture of Mongolia. There are plenty of cases of suffering and opposition in Mongolia. Uh, we met uh, teenage girls who were beaten up by their father for coming to church, and yet they still come to church because they are the fragrance and the aroma of Christ. I had a friend who was a regular in the Mongolian army. He was beaten up because he wasn't a Buddhist. If you're a Mongolian, you're a Buddhist. And, you know, you've turned your back on your country people. And so he was beaten up regularly for being the aroma of Christ in that place. Paul himself, uh, no stranger to suffering. If you look at chapter 1 uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians, you'll see that it's full of Paul's uh, sufferings. Verse 4 uh, talks about um, Paul's troubles. Verse 5, sufferings. Verse 6, distressed. Patient endurance of the same sufferings. Verse 8, hardships. Uh, we are under great pressure, despairing even of life. Verse 9, felt the sentence of death. Uh, this is no easy ride. It was no easy ride for Paul. If we are the aroma of Christ, then we can expect suffering. Well, who's up to this? The last slide, please. Who is equal to the task Paul asks in verse 16? Who can do such a thing? How can we uh, be the aroma of Christ in the people that we work with and the people that we uh, live alongside? Well, it's not us. It's Christ living in us. Paul was the aroma of Christ. He was not the aroma of humanity. Yeah? Paul talks about how we are like clay jars. And inside that clay jar, there is a great treasure. It's like our bodies 
are like clay jars. They're not important. But what is important is the inside, Jesus Christ. We can feel terribly weak and inadequate in ourselves. Oh, you talk about mission and you know, doing amazing things, but you don't understand. I'm in this, stuck in this terrible job, and I'm not really good at speaking, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. You are a clay jar, but inside is precious, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our weakness, God can work through us. Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. When I am weak, then I am strong. Let me tell you about some of the churches planted in Mongolia. They began with people who were weak, people just like you or I. They'd come to know Jesus Christ, but boy, were they weak. One of the churches that we worked with for a couple of years was begun by um, a wife beater, a heavy drinker, and a disabled woman. Now, I'm not categorizing them all the same. I'm not saying that um, uh, if you're disabled, it's in the same category as a heavy drinker or a wife beater. But you see, in our weaknesses, Christ can shine through. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus Christ can shine through you. And one of the strongest testimonies that you can, you can have, actually, is where that is seen all the more clearly. I have a friend uh, down south who's about my age, and he was, uh, as a young man, he was stricken with uh, some horrible, horrible skin disease. Uh, it just covered all his body, and then his kidneys, uh, well, his, I think the reason that he, he got this was, was because of his kidney failure. His kidneys just suddenly failed. And all of a sudden, he, he went from this, this person who was very able, very gifted, very skilled, to someone who was completely dependent on dialysis. His body was blighted, and it seemed that he could do nothing. And, you know, the world would turn around and say to a person like that, well, what has your faith done for you? So much for your God. But then the world also turns around and says, well, you must have an amazing God if you still believe in him through all that has happened to you. And you see, even in his weakness, <laughs> he is a testimony for Christ. And the fact that he, he still believes in God, even though he has been blighted, uh, is, is a testimony. And for many of us, that is the kind of testimony that we give. Well, this, this, this has happened, but yet... I will stand firm in faith. I will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus has done this for me. Jesus has brought peace into my life. I'm reconciled with God. I feel at peace with God. I've had my sins forgiven. I wake up each day uh, in peace knowing that I'm walking with my Savior. We don't need to be some amazing uh, kind of power evangelist to fulfill the great commission because God's power is made perfect in our weakness whoever we are and whatever we've done
So I just want to challenge you uh, to be the aroma of Christ. It's not some faraway, unreachable thing. It's within all of us. Jesus Christ is in us. Let that light shine through you wherever you are. That message, that gospel message, it's valuable. It's life-changing. And those around you need to hear it, and they need to hear it from you. And it needs to be your passion. And it needs to be something that, you know, when people see you, they say, ah, yes, there's a Christian. Yeah, they're excited about their faith. They believe in Jesus. Yes, I can see that from them. Are you that kind of person? Let's pray.